Hello, my name is Crystal McGrath, and you are listening to the Crushing Chaos Podcast. I'm a multi-passionate entrepreneur with a drive for connection and positivity. I spend my working hours on my music career as a recording artist. I have a music school where I get to share my passion for music and performance with clients of all ages, and I coach women how to live their best life through fitness, nutrition, and mindset. I love everything about wellness, business, and creativity. Some people call me crazy for doing so many things, but I call it living to my best potential. I am always full of new ideas and so thrilled to share tools, tips, and stories from inspiring women crushing the chaos in their personal and professional lives. This is a show that has everything from heartfelt stories of survival, healthy eating tips, and emotional growth, all the way to business tips, delegating, marketing, and how to grow your social media following. If you're a person striving to live your best life in all areas, then Crushing Chaos will have something for you. Grab your favorite beverage and join in on the conversation. Today, we have Maria Tan. She's a thought leader, international author, motivational speaker, and business coach who mentors misfits and misunderstood geniuses. Welcome, Maria. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to be sharing space and energy with everybody here and to be talking really, really good stuff, but at the same time, keeping things real. Yeah, I love it. Authenticity is my main thing. So I'm excited to hear your story and tips and tools on life hacks. So tell me a little bit about yourself and what led you into the world of coaching. So I've been a young entrepreneur. I come from a line of entrepreneurs and then I've been a misfit. So when I say misfit, I don't conform. I'm very different from society. And since, you know, I'm Asian and in Asia, it's very, very conservative. It's very collective. It's a very group culture. Whereas I'm very individualistic. I have my own opinion. I have my own style. I have my own things. So I think I've always been that kind of a a mix between I'm the one who's always selling. So I'm very entrepreneurial minded. And I always look at business or sales as simply connecting people with things. I love that energy of thinking about people and saying, hey, you know, I have this product for you that I know that you'd love. You know, I, I love that. I love bringing good news to some extent to some people. And then I think there's a part of me that's very much, you know, I like to share information. I'm very talkative. I'm very, I'm very expressive of my opinions, of my, of of what I know. And I really like sharing. I like sharing things that, that bring me joy or bring me not even just joy, just bring me some honest, like, wow, you can do that with math. Wow. That's how you think in physics. Wow. That's how you do it in music. So I love those things. I'm a very, I love sharing. I have a generous spirit. So, so I started um, teaching. I was actually a tutor in high school. So I was tutoring my classmates. Um, they were paying me good money because they really love the way I teach about math and everything. So I, I think that, that that's, that's just me. I've always been tutoring, mentoring, teaching, uh, coaching to some extent because I was already part of a lot of extracurricular activities leading. So, and then I'm, and then the other side of me selling things. So I'm really that kind of person. Then what really, so as I transformed, the one thing, the the one big pivot that I did was when I was in my mid twenties and I was depressed and I, I've been a consultant then, like I did consulting 
more on cross-cultural business and communications. I specialize in market development, market penetration, negotiations. And at that time, I was already ready. You know, I was already successful. I have, I can pretty much buy a product a day if I want to. So, but there was something missing and I could not figure that out. And I remember I told, I spoke to my mom and I told my mom, okay, so I've, here I am, I'm about 23. I don't know what's missing in my life. Is this life? Like, should I just, you know, I finish my studies and then now I just make money and that's it. And then my mother said, what else do I want? And then I just thought, well, when I heard that, I just wanted to kill myself. I just thought if that's life, I don't want to, to be any part of that. If it's just making money, I've made money since I was six. So it's nothing new for me, right? I'm not going to just grow older, just making money, doing the same thing, you know, like doing more of the same thing that I've done since I was six. Right. Right. And, and even as you grow older, your life is less, less um, layered even sometimes, right? It's more, it's more, it's more boring to some extent. So Mm -hmm. I just felt that you know, I need, I don't like life to be like that. And I really, for a split second, I really considered killing myself. Hmm. And there's a strong voice that told me, no, life is not like that. You can figure out, you can create a new life. You can define life for yourself. So I started entering spirituality and still doing what I've been doing, which is consulting. And, you know, sometimes in consulting, you also coach. So it's a mix hmm. of work. And then I started going into spirituality, understanding energy, and I was able to, I think, activate some of my gifts that's already in my blood and in my DNA. Um, and I started honing my empath skills. My, uh, but at the same time, I was I really, really, there's that calling of, you know, I really want to do something different. And I was serving corporations before. And I felt like I wanted to serve the general public. I wanted to help people like me who've been a mis- who's been misfits, who just want to do something different, who wants to just be okay to be different and not feel not made to feel broken, right? Like I think when you're different, you trigger people because nobody knows what to do with you, right? And th- th- there's a part. Right. There's a part of like people would be like, yes, you can be different, but not too different. You can be out of box, but not, but there's a box without, with that, right? Like you can be out of box, but not too out of box. And even in business, the way I think is extremely different from my, from my peers, from my friends, from my family. So I think that there's that, that kind of, I just, you know, I've been given a second chance in life. I chose to live again. Okay. Instead of die. And I just, at that time, I just thought for my mother, well, we have different beliefs and different passions. In her time, maybe what she wanted was that her version of a white picket fence, right? It's, I think in every culture, there's that version of white picket fence, family, you know, security, but like, you know, the world has changed. And Especially for me, I'm very different. So I'm very ahead of other people in terms of how I think. And I'm very expressive of my desires. So I just thought, you know, I want to really create this world where people feel good about themselves. People feel good about their difference. And people can make a difference with their difference without sacrificing money, without sacrificing, you know, um, 
their family time and creating that sustainability while doing something that they love and doing something good for themselves and for the world. Yeah. I love all of that. So good. Um, have you always felt comfortable using your voice or was that something that came to you kind of in your, after your epiphany and when, as you entered spirituality? I think I've always been expressive. I've been a misfit and that really brought me to a lot of trouble because uh, especially in Asia, right? You're different. You're very expressive. You're opinionated. You're not obedient. Um, I remember in my school, like I was bullied by teachers, huh? not just classmates mm. because I was different. I had my own opinion. And I think like people think misfits is about rebelling. I have nothing to rebel against. I just am different and I just process information differently. I just cannot accept someone telling me this is the way. I need a real reason, right? Why is it not okay to do this? What, you know, I'm that kind of person that needs to understand or if I know that's not true, I want to know why the person think a certain way or why we should be doing a certain way. And now, maybe now, the norm now, people applaud kids like that. But back then, it's mm. different. And back then in Asia, we're talking about Asia, a conservative culture. And I went to a Catholic school. So it's, you know, you have layers of conservatism there. So I think like people didn't know what to do with me. And even my own family, I, th I think the only thing that made me the same with them is because I am very, very entrepreneurial. <laughs> so that business-minded part of me is the one thing that they can relate to. But mm -hmm. other than that, my likes, my, my dreams, my bodacious, you know, my bodaciousness, my opinion, it's something that people cannot understand. So I think voice, I've had it, I've expressed it. Maybe I got better at articulating it as I grew older. Mm -hmm. And maybe I'm also more at peace with being different and not forcing my difference on others. When I was younger, it was mostly a lot of it is like a struggle. A lot of it is like, you know, you're, 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 you're so, you're feeling so not broken, but you're feeling so detached and disengaged with other people. And then you want to maybe prove that your way is also acceptable. And there's a lot of like needing to prove something. And now I feel I'm at the place where I simply show up and just show my difference. And that's enough. That is enough. Absolutely. And I love that you've taken your entrepreneurial spirit and combined it with promoting misfits and promoting yes. individuality. I think we are all different. Every single one of us humans has something different that we can offer and share. And I think, especially right now with social media, it can really help like get you into a box and and show you, you should be doing this. You should be doing yes. this. You shouldn't be doing this. You should look like this or say this thing or yes. all these rules that have started arising. And that or join a trend, join a, uh, yeah. That it can take away from feeling safe to be yourself. And I think, yes. you know, even just, I have to put the perfect picture on Instagram with, you know, you can't just show up and like, show your flaws. You can, but you, people don't because of fear. So what do you do when you're working with clients to 
eliminate that fear of being different and allowing them, giving them that permission to be a misfit and allowing their true self to shine. So a lot of the work starts with owning your worth and owning your difference, right? And I think a lot of it is really, really allowing the person to see that being different is being special and being special is what, is what makes them stand out, right? So I always tell my clients or even my audience, why would someone hire another designer or another singer or another coach if you do not accentuate your difference why would someone pay you more right like think of it this way when people hire beyonce they're not just hiring a a pop star they're hiring beyonce it's very clear that's what they want yep so so for me i i just asked them so tell me do you want to be beyonce or you want to be a singer in a pub, one of the many singers in the pub, one of the chorus. So if you want to be Beyonce, then you have to sing your song your way. Totally. So owning your truth. Yes. Allowing yourself to shine just authentically. Like if you're in your bedroom doing your own thing, what does that look like? You take that and then throw it out into the world and be that same, same version. And I think a lot of people struggle with feeling safe to be themselves. I think the only reason why they don't feel safe to be themselves is because they're still proving their worth. Yeah. Interesting. So self-worth, it's a huge topic that women specifically struggle with. What are some reasons behind this, do you think? And what are some tools you can share to help diminish this belief system? So if we're looking at self-worth and women, I will say that this has something to do with history. Okay. Okay. What people don't realize is we are a combination. We are the sum of our past, of our ancestors, of history, of society and everything. Now, think back from 5,000 years ago, okay, where the first civilization has been recorded. First of all, self-worth was not even taught. Mm -hmm. Second, women, from what we have recorded history, women, majority of the time, did not have worth. They were used as tools, right? To barter, to to grow a business. They're used pretty much like an asset, Mm -hmm. right? Okay. It's like, okay, the woman is there to serve the man. The woman is there to to expand the family's business through marriage or or expand the, the family's prestige. It's a lot about serving. It's a lot about being at the backstage. It's a lot about not, I don't think women ha- knew their worth at all, much more articulate or quantify or own that because there's a lot of like serving and the serving there is not service of the highest. It's a lot of kowtowing to, to society. So think about that 5,000 years. Okay. How you don't erase 5,000 years in that, right. that fast, Right. Now, think of the first time women were allowed to vote or to own anything. Slaves were free faster than women had the rights to vote. Yeah, which is insane. Right? So you're thinking about, you're looking at maybe the last 30 years, maybe that just women started to be, to have that right to own something, right? Maybe 30 or 40 years that women started having their own bank account, 
their own name or even in marriage to actually be allowed to just keep their own name. Mm-hmm. The past, you didn't even, you're not even allowed to keep your own name, right? right. You're just an option. You, yeah, you, you just enter a, another family and then you're erased from your own family tree to some extent. So mm. all of that memory is stored in our cellular, molecular memories. It's in our DNA. So for women, especially, it's hard to even articulate worth. It's, it's hard for them to even verbalize the idea of, I'm worthy. So women have to do everything to be loved from a young age, to buy love, to validate their presence, to be recognized, to be respected. Right? Women are the ones that need to, to, do, to go so many extra miles for other people. That is a huge thing to think about, that it's not just a belief system maybe that we formed in this life, but that it goes back so far, so deep. Yes. And even, so even if society have glass, uh, you know, you know how people say there's a glass ceiling for women. Mm -hmm. And for me, I always think, you know, the glass ceiling, it exists because of the perception of women. If something like me, I've always defied odds. That's why I'm the misfit. I'm the, I'm, I'm what I call the mind breaker because I don't follow the norm. And you know, like people will be like, but you know, women don't talk like that or women don't think like that. Or I would not say yes to a, to an amount that does not, that, that does not uh, value me. Yeah? Forget right. it. I don't, I don't care if other people see that, but for me, this is not what I expect or this is not what I believe is, is right, I will walk away. But I think for a lot of women, they, don't, they feel like they have no choice. So I think the glass ceiling is the materialization of the projection of the lack of worth among women. It's not that even if there are rules and laws that, that already support women to be empowered because of the very deep programming within the cellular memories of women that they are unworthy that they have to be loved that they have to say yes to the first you know the first things that are offered to them that they have to say yes to crumbs instead of pie right right like who eats leftovers at home <laughs> it's the women right it's not the men like the men are the ones that eat first and then leave the table right and the women would be oh my god this is a waste let me eat that or you know oh my god my child did not finish the food let me finish that men don't do that so who are the ones that pick up the pieces who are the ones that say yes to leftovers women it is uh, it is so ingrained in our daily life that of course in the office and corporate and that's why it becomes toxic because you know people only have certain tolerance there there is a tolerance level sooner or later that would hit its you know peak and boom so interesting so what are some tools we can use as women to you know improve our (laughs) self-worth and and believe that we are good enough and worthy and can shine bright and be our authentic misfit self? I think the first thing is to understand self-worth and self-confidence are two different things. Mm. I think people mistake that. So for me, when you say self-confidence or self-esteem, it's my confidence and my belief in my skill. 
you know you're a good singer, right? You know you're a good host. You have your own charm. You know that, right? I'm sure. I know I'm good at talking. I know I'm good at coaching, right? So that is our confidence in our skill because skill is learned. Self-worth is our ability to believe in the value we bring to the table. Ah. These two are very different. They so we are. Huh. So that's, I think that's what, that's what, you know, that's what people, that's why people think extroverts are people who are strong or big people, you know, like big personality or big confidence people are high on self-worth. Actually, they're not. Right. Because people who are confident on the outside may not necessarily have that inner confidence, that inner certainty that they project to the world. Because worth is something so deep within us that would allow us to say no, that would allow us to walk away, that would allow us to rise above our limitations. So that big difference should be understood. Second, I suggest, this is a very easy, but very, but it can be very challenging to complete. Write 100 reasons why I'm special. Mm. 100, you cannot, it cannot be 99. It cannot be 70. It's 100. And if you can, you can, you can write anything about, you know, I have beautiful hair or, you know, I have beautiful eyes or, you know, I have nice cheekbones because that 100 is very hard to compile. And that would tell you where your worth is. If you cannot see how you're special, if you cannot list out more than 10 of the things that make you different, that makes you special, that makes you valuable, then for sure, even if you know you have a PhD in whatever subject you have, or you have a big title in your office, or you've made a lot of money, those are skills. Those are, those, that is confidence in maybe in a certain title that you hold in a certain position. But worth is when you are naked and strict and you still feel that you have the right to take up space. Mm. So keep that 100 reasons why I'm special with you. Because that 100 reasons why I'm special is, will really remind you that all you need is you. If you cannot finish it in one go, Keep adding to it until you get 100. Even if you need, if, even if you take 100 days to have that. Because on a daily basis, we look at, at ourselves in the mirror to remind ourselves of what we look like. Imagine not seeing yourself for 100 days. Can you still remember your face? Now, if you have that list, you can look at it every day. I just love Every that. time. So good. Especially when we have days where we we're not perfect every day, right? Every day is different. Change is constant. Some days are much harder than other days. So to have a list like that to reflect on and remind yourself, these are the things I need to focus on. This is my worth. Yes. Yes, exactly. This is my worth. Yeah. Right. And the third thing that I suggest people is this. Take five seconds before you respond. You do not need to respond to any, every text that, mess, to, that gets to you immediately. You do not need to respond to every email that comes to your inbox immediately. Because sometimes we read from our 
perceptions. We don't read from neutrality. So when we, when we feel the urge and the desperation and the limitation to respond immediately, what happens is you lower your worth because you're saying, I don't have the right to take up space. Responding over reacting, letting yourself sit in it and responding. I think it's about that knowing that you can slow down. Mm-hmm. That worth, you know, like I, it's, you know, I don't need to rush because I, ha- I am on my own timeline to some extent. I like that. I like that. Giving yourself permission to slow down. I think yes. in society, especially we're constantly going and doing. And Yes. Especially with social media, right? I got to keep up. How can I do more? Um, yeah. It just, I know something that I've learned recently, slowing down is the biggest gift you can give to yourself to take care of your worth and give you the energy so that you can continue to move forward with. Exactly. And I, and, and I want to go back to what you said, doing more. So for me, I remember the reason why I, I wanted to kill myself was I did not want to do more of the things that I did. Mm. So if you want more, look for more of different, not more of the same thing, right? So I often tell people, your to-do list cannot look like a grocery list. <laughs> what does the to-do list look like? I think it should just be, okay, what's my focus this week? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because what happens is when you when you when you fill yourself or when you fill your list your notebook with a list of things that you want to do, you get addicted to the sh- to the high, the small high. Oh my God! I finished this. I finished this. Let me add more things to my list. Let me add more things to my list. And then those oh, those more things is just distraction. It's, you know, you're just thinking, oh my God, she got a new photo. Let me do that as well. Oh my God, she opened her own, her new account. Let me do that as well. Oh my God, she bought a cake. Let me buy a cake again. Maybe yeah. not even tuning like, in. Just hearing that, right? It's like, whoa, suffocating. Yeah, exactly. But that's what people do yeah. because we're so, we're so driven or we're so programmed to do more. And maybe the more is not what we need. Do more of loving yourself, right? Yes. Do more of taking care of yourself, not taking care of other people's expectations of what you think they think you, you should do, yes. right? Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's crazy. So take time for you. Self-worth, so important. I think everybody should make their 100 list of your self-worth special qualities. I love Yes. That. So good. So hard truths, let's talk that. Things that people don't want to hear but are so important for growth. What's a common thread you see amongst clients that are stuck struggling for success and growth in their business and how can they shift through that? You know, business and life is the same for me. And what keeps people stuck is this. I'm not good enough. Nobody will buy that. Nobody wants that. Nobody, Nobody likes that. It's, there's a lot about worth that's, that's, it all boils down to I'm worthy to make my own choices, right? So when people tell me, oh, but you know, nobody buys that. Nobody, nobody, nobody wants that. I always tell people, that's why we need to tell them why they need it. That's why we need to show people how something can change their lives or how we, we can grow. I think people focus too much on 
giving up because of their frustration. But what people don't realize is that frustration is their inspiration. Yeah. The reason why you are frustrated is because it matters to you. You will not, I will not be frustrated about something that doesn't matter to me, right? Why would I be frustrated? So if you're frustrated, somewhere in there is that is what you really, really want to do. And a lot of people tend to give up on their frustration and use that frustration to be a deciding factor in their life, right? Like, oh my God, my teacher said I don't sing well, for example, right? Or, oh my God, this business coach that I worked with told me this idea would not fly. Or, oh my God, my mother told me that I have to have a, a career in economics before I'm worth something, right? So we, we, we tend to use our frustration as the deciding factor of our lives. And that keeps us stuck. But instead, our frustration should fuel our direction. It's a fuel for our vehicle. It's a fuel for our body, for our energy, for our spirit, for our being. Because frustration is where we can make our difference. Cool. So how do you take that frustration and turn it into the passion, into the why, and and not let that frustration stop you, but rather let it empower you? Is there a little trick you might have to... So when you get frustrated about anything, okay, mm-hmm. for example, oh, like me, people told me I cannot be, okay, you cannot make money this way, you cannot make money that way, blah, 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 right? So for me, I would just rise above it. I'll get angry. Of course, I'm a passionate person. So I'll get angry. I'll see that. And then I'll just think, do I want to make money this way? Do I want to do this? If it's yes, then now I go to the next step. What happens is many people cannot stay with their answer. They feel the need to justify it. Yeah. Even as simple as you go to a restaurant, you don't like your order, for example but you eat it anyway. Why? Because you're justifying that. You're, just, you're, you're saying, hey, I don't like this food. There's something off with this food, but, you know, but I bought it, so let me eat it. Or, but, you know, it's so embarrassing to, to ask them to change it. Or I don't want to be bothered. So we justify every decision, every desire, every reaction we have. So just imagine if you can just really give your object or your opinion or your take on anything and not explain it. That is powerful. When someone asks you, what do you think? Um, actually, I don't like it. And, and you can stop there. Right. You don't need to explain that. Mm-hmm. But I think people tend to explain that, right? Were you hurt by that experience? Yeah, I'm hurt, but you know, whatever. I'm not going to dismiss my feeling. I will say I'm really hurt by this because feeling hurt does not mean that I will not do anything or I will be fighting. No, it's just a validation of this is my reaction at this time. This is my truth at this time. So this time I feel hurt. Okay. Now I'm over my hurt. What's my next step? Do I want to do something about it or can I let go? And I think like people get confused and get stuck because there's so many layers of the justification that they put in of the, I call it lies of the lies of the BS of the crap 
that they they cannot even know where they're going to start. I like that. That's interesting. So it's very more process stepped, like yes, taking that frustration and processing it as opposed to justifying. Oh yes, I'm just frustrated. I'm just going to put it to the side. Yeah, yeah, I don't like something. I'm just not going to figure it out. Yeah, or I don't like something, but you know, maybe I should do this anyway. You know, there's a lot of like anger or, or like resistance in that instead of just mm-hmm. saying I don't like it. Right, own it. It took me a long time to do that. Now I'm if I don't like something, no, I'm not going to eat it, and I'm not yeah. going to feel bad about it because what I put in exactly. my exactly important <laughs> like. Exactly. Right. Like I always think, you know what, like, I don't care if that's the most expensive wine or that's the most expensive dish. If I don't like it for me, it's trash. Mm -hmm. I can pay for it. Sure. Because I ordered it, but I'm not going to eat that because for me, that's already trash. It's the same as, you know, eating trash. Why will I eat trash? Right. And it's the same with the people that you surround yourself with, like toxic energy, positive energy. We want to surround ourselves with people that, that lift us up and give us power in our voices. Right. Yes. And I think like in the empowerment field, this is very, very dangerous because a lot of people in the empowerment field, disempower to empower. This is very, very dangerous for me. I don't use the word. This is an excuse because, or you know how they say, no, that's just your excuse. Mm -hmm. No. Because that is a reality for the other person. Right. I cannot, I cannot tell a person, oh, but you know, you're, this is just an excuse. So you need to get over this. That's the worst thing that you tell people. Get over it. Or that's just an excuse. You should, you're lazy. You, you, you know, because that limitation for the other person is real. It's extremely, extremely real. And we have to be as coaches, as in the field of empowerment, in the field of mentorship, we need to have that compassion and we need to, sh- to tell people it's okay to express your truth right now. It doesn't need to be your truth tomorrow, but right now, if you feel limited, admit that I feel limited. I cannot do this. Yeah. I love that. And giving yourself space, give other people space to feel what they need to process instead yes. of telling them it doesn't matter. And it's don't, yes. be don't, don't have anxiety. Don't be worried. Yes. You know what's, what's even worse? Love yourself more. For me, this is the most disempowering statement mm. because you cannot tell someone who does not even understand what love is to love themselves more. Because for, for a lot of people, love is very transactional. So if you're telling someone, hey, love yourself more, you are going to insult the person's intelligence. So for me, I wouldn't even say love yourself more. I would just say something like, okay, tell me what you want right now. Tell me what you need right now. That's it. I wouldn't use the word love yourself more because this is very, very vague. Mm -hmm. So getting more specific in the present. Yes, exactly. That's awesome. I love all of this. I could talk to you all day. <laughs> you are very inspiring and have beautiful energy. I have one more question for you. What's your favorite tool that you use to move through the chaos in your life? And how do you remember to use it? So for me, when I have chaos, I step back. When I feel something's off, something's off. So I know that trying to squeeze it is not going to help, right? So whenever I feel chaos, I take a step back. Because when I step, take a step back, I have space. And in space, we can see movement now. 
there is ripples. I think people want to do go with the flow so fast. You know, like go with the flow. But you know the problem with flow? It becomes wave. Mm. And in wave, some people are like, you know, they get they fall off the wave. They get buried in that wave. People don't realize the power of ripples. And that ripple, sometimes we just need to like open it up a little bit so we have space in between for things to come. Chaos creates magic. Mm-hmm. Big magic for me. Big magic comes from big mess. Yeah. So when you are in the mess, you have to understand you're birthing something different. There's a different transition that you have. And the more you fight it, the more chaotic it becomes because you don't have any space. Just imagine if you are in a room and you're just going around, right? Like let's say you're in a maze going around, going around. And whatever, however turn you go, go, you're still back in the same space, right? Yeah. Well, doing the same thing will not produce a different result. That's right. Right? So it's better to just take a break, sleep, just go for a massage, do something boring, do something different. And usually when you come back, you have, you've created the space needed to see a different perspective. Absolutely. I find any time I'm in a creative project and it's just slowing yes. how I want it to go or, you know, if I'm writing a song and I've got the whole song, but the bridge and it's just not coming, then I go and I, you know, I either yeah. take a day or I take a walk. Or, or change, change project. Yep. Write a new song. <laughs> yeah. Change project. Because if you cannot squeeze, you know, if you're already like tight, there's stress, right? That's why you cannot produce. So if you're stressed, you cannot squeeze more from that. Absolutely. So good. Such a great conversation with you today. I, as I said, I could talk to you all day about the magic of chaos and how we can move through it as our authentic misfit self. Thank you so much for joining us. And I Pleasure. look forward to seeing more of what you're doing and sharing all of your resources on our website so everybody can check out all of what you do. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. And I look forward to chatting with you again very soon. Pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to the Crushing Chaos podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to take a screenshot of you listening, share it on your Instagram story, and tag us at Crushing Chaos Podcast. We love to repost on our story and show appreciation to our listeners. Be sure to check out the website at www.crystalmcgrath.ca slash crushing chaos, where you can find more information on our guests and sign up for emails to stay up to date with new episodes and all the upcoming exciting new adventures. I cannot wait to connect again with you soon. Until next time. Thank you.